Welcome everyone, you're listening to Save Me an Aisle Seat, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I'm Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hey! Also joining us is our musical newbie, Matt. Hello! (laughs) And we are back from our little tiny hiatus last week. Thanks for giving us a break. We just needed a a break from the craziness uh, in the U.S. (laughs) A lot of things happening for a lot of people. Schedules are hard. Schedules are hard, but we are back with a new episode. No spookies, but this one will get a mama warning. Heads up, mom. You've already listened to this one partially, so it won't be like super surprising, but it does get a mama warning. So Amber, what are you covering this week? All right. So like Katie said, this one's different than usual because I figured after the last month of blood and murder and mayhem, We should flip the script a bit and bring y'all something that's very much not that. And I mean extremely (laughs) not that. So we bring you today, Avenue Q. Woo! (laughs) So, Avenue Q is amazing, and I love it. And basically, it's just overall dumb fun. It is a bit risque, however. It hits on some (laughs) touchy subjects, so slight warning to the kiddos and conservative people out there. Uh, Yes, there is cursing in the musical. And yes, there is also full-on puppet sex. More on that later. Yeah. Alrighty then. (laughs) What an intro. Starting off strange. You didn't know what you clicked on, did you? (laughs) That's why I guess the mama warning up front. Right. I thought this was about to be some preppy New Yorker girl on Avenue Q. (laughs) 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 Well. All right, so Avenue Q was written by Robert Lopez, Jeff Marks, and Jeff Witte. Robert and Jeff met at a songwriting class, and they actually started writing songs for a Muppet movie based on Hamlet. And this led them to puppets, I guess, because, you know, the Muppets. And then they eventually came up with Avenue Q. Writer's brains. I don't know. Yeah. So Avenue Q does feature a mix of puppets and human actors. Very crazy and unique for theater. So there are four puppeteers that are on stage unconcealed, and they play 11 different characters, puppets. So the same puppeteers play multiple puppets. Some puppets require one puppeteer, some require two, and the actor voicing the puppet may not always be the one animating it. Well, weird, but it works. Huh. Kind of magic on stage, I guess. And then these puppets interact with the three costumed human actors who are also on stage. There is no explanation as to why some characters are puppets and some aren't. You just kind of have to go with it. <laughs> yes. That's, that's yes. Right. Just, just because. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But basically this format is a parody of Sesame Street. I mean, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can kind of see it. Yeah, I guess I never really questioned why kids Humans are hanging out and... with puppets. and. Four of the original show's puppeteers, John Tartaglia, Stephanie D'Abruzzo, Jennifer Barnhart, and Rick Lyon, were previously Sesame Street performers. Basically, the show is about a group of young adults living in New York City and facing real-world problems, including lots of ironic humor and complex adult situations, but portrayed in a lighthearted way. The show has been praised for its covering of topics like racism, homosexuality, and pornography. This show has received nearly unanimous favorable reviews. It even made Entertainment Weekly's 2010 End of the Decade Best of list. It premiered off-Broadway in 2003 and ran for 72 performances. This won the Lucille Lortel Award for Best Musical and for Outstanding Sound Design. 
It also won an Outer Critics Circle Award for Outstanding Ensemble Performance in Puppet Artistry and a GLAAD Media Award for Outstanding New York Theater. It opened on Broadway on July 31st, 2003. It ran for 2,534 performances and closed in September 2009. It won three Tony Awards for Best Musical, Best Original Score, and Best Original Book. And it grossed over $117 million. Ooh. I wonder what like the, the typical cost of running a show is. Because like, you hear it's like uh, it grossed $117 million, but like I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that went into like paying everything so yeah i wonder how much in profit it actually did make i don't know maybe we'll cover that on an episode sometime yeah maybe maybe like a bonus thing yeah <laughs> oh yeah the analytic breakdowns of <laughs> musicals that sounds like a real barn burner riveting bonus <laughs> it reopened off broadway in 2009 and played until 2019 nice run yeah yep in september 2005 it opened in las vegas a new 1,500-seat theater was built for the show, and the show had a bunch of variations from the original. Attendance for the show was low, and the show was cut to 90 minutes, and the intermission was removed. Eventually, it closed in 2006. Which sucks, because they built a whole new theater. Yeah. <laughs> there was a West End tour that opened in 2006, where it ran for 1,179 performances through March 2009, It moved theaters and opened in June 2009, ran another 327 performances, moved theaters again and opened in March 2010, and then closed in October 2010. Yeah. Played leapfrog for a little while there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Just bouncing around. (laughs) A U.S. national tour started in San Diego, California and opened in 2007. They played 721 performances in 22 cities and then closed in Wisconsin in May of 2009. And then a second U.S. national tour opened in South Carolina in September 2009 and closed in Alabama in April of 2011. Weird. Mm. A U.K. tour began in February 2011 and closed in July. A U.K. and Ireland tour ran and opened in January 2012. It ran again in 2014, 2015, and 2019. So I guess they really like it over there. Yeah. Also, Avenue Q has had a large number of international productions. Now, fun fact, this will break your heart a little bit. There is a school edition. Oh. Uh Oh. Yep. So basically Mm. they took Avenue Q and they took out all the profanity and sexual themes and alcohol references. What is left? The obsession with pornography (laughs) was replaced with just social networking sites. So basically it's just not Mm. Avenue Q anymore. (laughs) It's Avenue Right, like that's the whole show. But whatever, I guess. about being an adult in... The city, right? Yeah. So if you take all the adult content out. Yep. High school. And the city. (laughs) And the city. High school. You get high school. Yeah, I don't even know. (laughs) You don't even get high school. You get middle school. Yeah, kind of. So I don't know why they did that, but I guess it did well. I don't know. Sure. Also, Avenue Q has kind of been all over the place. So they did a faux debate based on the Bush-Carey debate in 2004. They were referenced on an episode of Live with Regis and Kelly. The puppets did street interviews for the 2005 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. They appeared at a World's AIDS Day benefit. In 2005, the website held a one-night stand contest for amateur puppeteers (laughs) and their puppets. In 2006, several members of the cast performed for the opening ceremonies of the Gay Games, which I did not know was a thing until now. 
but it's like a gay version of the Olympics. <laughs> nice. And I'm just astounded. Anyway. So Amber's going to be the host someday. <laughs> um, yes. Someday. Anyway. <laughs> so these puppets have presented awards. They've been on TV. They've met with Jimmy Fallon. They've been on the Today Show. They did a bunch of Queen covers. It, it's crazy what these puppets have been up to. <laughs> right. Like, what? Yeah. These puppets got their networking game down. They got a good manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's their publicist? (laughs) There is an original Broadway cast recording from 2003 that we are working off today. It will be on Spotify, which is linked in our show notes as always. Please note that there are a number of songs that were written for the show or as related promotions, but they are not part of the show and we won't be covering them. You can find them though. They're they're pretty cool. Mm -hmm. The album has been in the top 10 of the Billboard Top Cast album charts since the charts launch in 2006. Mm -hmm. According to Playbill, it is the first cast recording to use a parental advisory label. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well. (laughs) They warned you. I'm glad they did. Yeah. So let's talk about the puppets. Each cost up about $10,000 to make. Mm -hmm. What? And require up to 120 hours of hand fabrication per character. Uh, yep. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. They were designed and built by one of the original cast members, Rick Lyon. His company, the Lyon Puppets, made the puppets for all the North American productions, as well as the UK, Australia, Mexico, Argentina, and Brazil productions, and also helped with the Finnish and Swedish productions. They're super sturdy to stand up for all those practices and performances, and sex scenes. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> There are there are three ty- there are three different types of puppets in the show. Rod puppets, which are a head, torso, and either one or two arms controlled by a rod. Live hand puppets, which the puppeteers wear the arm like a sleeve and the hand is their own hand. And then mechanized and free hand puppets, which are the most simple. They contain a concealed trigger that causes the mouth to open like one of those little grabber thingies. Huh. I made I made the motion too with my hand. <laughs> <laughs> one you give to T Rexes. And also, remember, so there were 11 puppets, 11 puppet characters per show, and there were often multiple puppets per character, too, depending on, like, what sort of scene they had to be in. Oh, no. Yeah. It's a lot of money on puppets. Yeah. (laughs) That answers part of your budget question, Matt. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Well, now we got the background out of the way. How about we go ahead and jump into Act 1? Yeah. So, the show starts off with a cheesy theme song. Of course, very Sesame Street-esque. The song is the Avenue Q theme. And the song tells of an average day living on Avenue Q and really sets the tone for the rest of the musical. So then we start off with Princeton, who's a recent college grad, and he's trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life. So he needs an apartment and a job and all this stuff, but all he has is an English degree. (laughs) So he sings, what do you do with a BA in English? Which, uh, fair. Nothing. (laughs) basically where he's at and this song leads into the next song which is it sucks to be me and so this song is where he finally finds an affordable apartment on avenue q where he meets his new neighbors so these include kate monster who's a kindergarten assistant teacher who wants to just be in a happy relationship she wants to go on a date that's like her goal there's rod who's a republican banker who's stuck with his slacker roommate nikki there's Brian, an aspiring comedian who is jobless 
and sad about it. Mm. There's Christmas Eve, who's Brian's Japanese fiance, who is a therapist, but she has no clients. Uh. There's Trekkie Monster, who's a recluse who spends his days surfing for porn. And then finally, there's Gary Coleman, the building superintendent. Yes, this is meant to be the Gary Coleman you're thinking of from the TV show Different Strokes. (laughs) (laughs) Whose parents took a bunch of his money when he was a kid. Yeah. So all these characters sing about, like, whose life sucks more, and then they all agree that it's Gary. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And fun fact, this was actually supposed to be, like, Gary Coleman playing the character. And he was set to meet with the writers, but then he stood them up at the last minute. <laughs> oh, so no. it's, it's not. So now it's just an actor. And interestingly enough, it's quite often a woman who plays mm, Gary. Yeah. So that's cool. Cool. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Nikki comes home after being hit on by a guy on the subway. He is super straight, but he suspects that his roommate Rod is gay. He assures him that it's totally okay with him, but Rod insists that he's not. And the song is If You Were Gay, which is a great song. <laughs> it's fun. It's pretty great. I'd still be here. <laughs> if you <Yes>. were queer. <laughs> this is this is a very, like, just goofy. It's goofy, but still t- sweet in a way. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, th- this is supposed to be like the, the Bert and Ernie, right? Yes. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> Princeton finds a lucky penny on the street. He sings about wanting to discover his purpose in life, and the song is Purpose. This song takes place as he's moving into his new place, so the background voices in this song are his moving boxes. Because... Like flapping up and down singing? Yep. yep. Awesome. Because <laughs> reasons. Just, yeah. Yep. And because I have to do this every time, my favorite song of this musical is this one, Purpose. So if someone has like a... Save me an off-seat bingo card or something. This is, uh, you know, that spot. My favorite song. This is actually her favorite. (laughs) (laughs) No, so this one, I don't know. It just never fails to put me in a good mood because I, too, would like to find my purpose. And Princeton's just so sure of himself in the song and he's just, like, so ready to... Oh, I love it. That's all. (laughs) Kate dreams of starting a monster story school for young people of fur. Mostly innocently, Princeton asks if Kate and Trekkie are related, since they are both monsters. Kate gets angry, finding that question racist, and Princeton points out that Kate's dream school discriminates against non-monsters, and that's racist too. They, and the rest of the neighbors, sing about racism. Yep. Yay. (laughs) They point out that everyone makes judgments based on race. They do point out that the whole colorblind thing is wrong. Then Gary catches Kate and Princeton telling a black joke, and he calls them out on it. But then he laughs about a Pollock joke, showing that even though he's black, he's not exempt from racial discrimination. Of course, Brian and Christmas Eve join in on this song too, and are called out for being just as racist as everyone else, regardless of their relationship slash race. And the song is Everyone's a Little Bit Racist, which is a pretty great song. <laughs> I really like this one. <laughs> it's also cute. I'm it's trying cute. to, like, now that... Amber put out in the world that there's a school version of this. Oh. It's like, it's like, how do you change the topic of racism? Like this whole song, do you just get rid of it? Is like, is it like a five minute show? Probably. I don't know. Princeton receives money from his parents. The bad idea bears, two troublemakers, convince him to spend it on beer. Mm. Yeah, so they are two troublemaker characters who we will see again. So. Keep an eye on them. They're terrible. But it's fine. 
So Kate's boss, Mrs. Thistletwat. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. Oh, I laugh every time. So Miss Thistletwat assigns her her first solo teaching opportunity for the kindergarten class. And so she's super excited about this. You know, this is like what she wants to do. And so she decides to teach a lesson all about the internet, which is great. And so she's uh, at home and she's like practicing and singing about this. And Trekkie Monster, you know, points out that the internet is all about porn. And so mm. as Kate sings about how, you know, the internet's great for browsing all day and night. And it's great for like shopping and all the stuff. Trekkie interjects for porn every time she says something. Which, I mean, he's not wrong. But also... Maybe not for kindergartners. <laughs> and so this is just like totally disgusts her. She's like, ew, gross, Trekkie, stop. And so she points out that normal people aren't as obsessed with porn as he is. And so Trekkie just kind of like stares at the audience for a few awkward seconds and then calls out his friends. Uh, so Brian, Rod, Gary, and Princeton come out and they admit that they use the internet for normal things and for porn. Yep. Balance. <laughs> the song includes the great line, uh, grab your dick and double click. <laughs> So, so, which is pretty a great line. I love it. <laughs> the song is The Internet is for Porn. Probably one of the most well-known songs from this musical. <laughs> yep. Yeah, this, like, takes me back to, like, the early YouTube days. Yeah. And yeah. hearing this song. Like, Probably. forever ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm also pretty sure the first time I listened to this with my mother oh, in no. the car. Because she had a habit of buying a new Broadway show when we would go on road trips. So she just picked this one up because it had great reviews. Pretty sure this is a song she decided, I'm going to turn this off. Yeah. <laughs> She's this like, song? Yeah. She made it all over this one. I was surprised. I mean, looking back, I'm surprised she made it this far. <laughs> I mean, I guess the previous songs haven't been, like, the absolute worst. No. True. Not the worst. Haven't been the it gets best. worse from like, here. <laughs> it's just, like, maybe the racism one if you're, like, uncomfortable about it, but... So, anyway, yeah, this song, song is, is it. great. It's great. So, of course, eventually Kate, who is just completely disgusted, walks off stage as the guys finish up the song. Hmm. Poor girl. So then, a little while later, Princeton goes to Kate's apartment and gives her a mixtape, which is super cute. Um, no one's ever given me a mixtape. <laughs> me either. I mean, we're not really in the age where that's... <laughs> Doesn't count. Like a mixtape and a small bottle of hand sanitizer. Yeah, there you go. Here you go, friend. Right. Uh, so at first, she kind of thinks that he likes her. You know, I mean, it's a mixtape, and she's wanting a boyfriend anyway, so why not? But the song selection is puzzling, and so this mixtape includes songs like You've Got a Friend in Me, and then Kiss the Girl, and then Yellow Submarine. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. Real clear signals here. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. She has no idea. And, like, Princeton gives it to her, and then he, like, goes off to use her bathroom. So, like, <laughs> gross. Uh, okay. But then he comes back, and he's like, you might not want to go in there for a while. <laughs> All right. Uh, so he's an idiot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. But then he announces that he's going to make one for everyone else, too. So then that doesn't help with the whole mixtape thing, because, like, it doesn't make her feel special. But then he asks her on a date to the Around the Clock Cafe that night, so maybe it is a relationship after all. Who knows? Uh, This song is mixtape. So, in today's day and age, would you just be like, I made you, like, the Spotify playlist? Yes. (laughs) I put together (laughs) mixes of my SoundCloud rapping. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) 
Dude, you could you could like put a mixtape on a cassette and hand it to somebody to this day and age, and they'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" Right. <laughs> Where am I supposed what to is put this? this? What garbage is this? Where's Where the aux port? <laughs> yeah. My AirPods won't sync up. Does, does it have Bluetooth? <laughs> Grandma, can you help? Oh man. Anyway, so. At the cafe later that night, the whole group's there. And so Brian, who is, I guess, has a part-time job as the cafe's MC now, uh, does a quick stand-up act about how he's not wearing any underwear. Hmm. Clearly, he's not very funny, which is why the whole comedian thing's not working out for him. Uh, So the song is, I'm not wearing underwear today, but it's fine. So then we get to the main act, which Brian introduces. uh, And this is Lucy the Slut. (laughs) <laughs> yes that is her character name. <laughs> so she's introduced as being a star from girls gone wild and she comes out and wows the guys including princeton with a seductive cabaret number called special where basically she could make them feel special wink is wink is this a puppet yes okay this is a puppet and not in the kids rendition <laughs> i hope not right like dude just Oh, God, this show, man, this show. Anyway, so yeah, so Lucy the Slut does her little puppet dance. I don't know. And, like, points out her her cleavage and a bunch of stuff. And, yeah. So then we get the bad idea bears on stage again. And they suggest that Kate and Princeton order some Long Island iced teas. Because, pff, they're harmless. It's just a simple drink. And so yeah. they, they bring them each a drink, and they're like, you know what? You guys should race to see who can finish it first. So then they both slurp these drinks down, and then they're like, another one! So they keep bringing them more drinks. <sighs> yep. So, of course, they're drunk. And so they go home together. Uh. And so here's where we get the full-on puppet sex. <laughs> and I mean, right. there are naked puppets on stage doing things to each other that you never want to see. Yeah. 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 So, meanwhile, Gary, of course, as the, you know, owner of the building, is feeling calls from other neighbors about the loud noise, but he refuses to tell them to quiet down. He's like, they can do whatever they want. If they want to be loud, whatever. Don't tell them to stop. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's cool, I guess. I don't know. I guess. This so- is ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He ships them. And then Brian and Christmas Eve join in with the loud sex as well. And then, of okay. course, at the very end of the song, we get we get a nice long moan from Trekkie, because he is clearly still enjoying his porn. <laughs> and so this is a song, you can be as loud as the hell you want when you're making love. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Alrighty then. Yep. The most awkward part of the show. <laughs> yep. Probably not in the high school version. Hopefully, Hopefully not, not in the high school version. Yikes. Rod overhears Nikki say, I love you, Rod, in his sleep. And he jumps to conclusions about it. <gasps> and he starts to sing about his own feelings for Nikki. Dun, dun, dun. Unfortunately, it turns out that he was the one dreaming all along. Oh. What a tease. <laughs> At the same time, Kate and Princeton profess their love to each other, and Princeton gives Kate his lucky penny. <sighs> uh, it ended up being good luck for him, because now he's with her. Aww. Aww. And the song is Fantasies Come True. Gross. Too wholesome. (laughs) Too wholesome. Just wait. The next morning, a hungover Kate misses her teaching assignment. 
Miss Thistletwat yells at her, blaming it on her being a monster, and Kate quits angrily. Wow, racist. Yeah. Christmas Eve decides that it's time for her and Brian to get married. At the wedding, Nikki confronts Rod about being gay. Rod angrily insists that he has a girlfriend named Alberta who lives in Vancouver. She's great. She cooks for him and has sex with him and everything. Definitely has boobs and lady parts. Yep. Definitely she exists. She goes to a different school. You wouldn't know her. You wouldn't know her. <laughs> the song is My Girlfriend Who Lives in Canada. Also, he kicks Nikki out of the apartment. Mm. Rude. Very rude. Kate catches Christmas Eve's wedding bouquet. Princeton panics because he has a fear of commitment and asks Kate if they can just be friends. Whoa. Yep. This pisses off Kate, of course, who then breaks off their relationship. Kate proceeds to sing about her heartbreak, about how love is basically a waste of time. And the song is, there's a fine, fine line. What a jerk. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, how dare he. Get out of here. So just to make sure I'm, I'm hearing all this right, is is there like time jumps? Or is everything actually happening this fast? I mean, there's probably like small time jumps, but it's all pretty much like one right after the other. Yeah, I know it's like the musical thing where it's like, things have to be happening, but I didn't know if they did any, like, because it's like, (laughs) they decided time for them to get married. All right, at the wedding, like. (laughs) Yeah, no, because they've been engaged for a while, and then Christmas Eve just like, we're getting married now. And he's like, what? And they just get married. Okay. All right. (laughs) Courthouse. And with that annoying boyness, uh, we are in. Boyness? Yes. Boys are dumb. We've covered this. Boys are dumb. Sorry about it. We're idiots. (laughs) It's different. (laughs) We know stuff, we just don't know how to do it properly. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this will lead us into our intermission. So does everyone think about Act 1? Weird. Weird. Very weird. But catchy still. Oh yeah, songs are great. The ones I have listened to, fantastic. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Would listen to it again. <laughs> Might not watch. I don't know about the, I don't know about the puppet sex, though. That, I'm not a fan. I don't like puppets much, so, yeah. Right. So, if it changes anything, which I don't know if it will, because what, there's 11 puppets, and then there's three human actors? Is that what I said? Three or four. I think there's th- yes. Three or four. Well, okay, so it's Gary Coleman is a human character. As are Brian and Christmas Eve. And there's no explanation as to why there's a difference between puppets, humans, and monsters? Nope. Yeah. Yeah, so then some of the puppets are just, like, human. Like, Princeton is just, like, a normal guy, but he's a puppet. But then there's Kate and Trekkie, who are, like, they're, like, actually furry. Like, they're monsters. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's, it's probably, like, comments on... You know, the melting pot of big cities and yeah. different races and stuff, maybe, but... It it also might be they didn't want to have a human have sex with a puppet. I yeah. hope not. Yes. Because all the monsters could have been puppets because, you know, just to really show the difference, but... But the split but then, is so weird. Yeah. It's still weird, but it might have something to do with they didn't want the Princeton character. No, I get, I get that, like... Whatever. 
you puppets do your puppet thing. It's probably doing it for somebody, you know? Oh, yeah, it sounds like doing it for somebody. Mm-hmm. But no, the music is really good. And if you like tongue-in-cheek humor, like we do. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what right the show is. Very... Yeah. I do recommend listening to it, obviously. But definitely know <laughs> it's very vulgar. <laughs> yes. As long as you know that going into it, you'll be fine. Yeah. I'm still, like... From from the initial thought of like there's a school version of it. I'm try- I've been don't. trying to process every scene in my head of like, okay, what would they do there's... for for this? And it just doesn't work. It does not work. Unless you are going to the most layback school ever. <laughs> has anyone well ha- has anyone seen this? Nope. So I have not seen it live. I've obviously listened to it a lot. And I did find a video online of a performance. So they do exist out there. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Go watch it at your own discretion. Not with children. Or parents. Or parents. <laughs> Just watch it by yourself. Nobody yes. can judge you for the puppet sex, then. Only God. Only God can judge you. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yo, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so I guess let's go into our theater fact. The first use of the word properties for musical theater was in 1425. It wasn't shortened to props until 1841. A prop is anything that is used on stage and is movable or portable. This usually doesn't include scenery, but does include consumable food used on stage. Stuff that blurs a line between scenery and prop, such as the helicopter in Miss Saigon or the chandelier in Phantom, are usually considered special effects. The person in charge of all these props for the show is called a props master. Interesting. I didn't know we short for anything. I, yeah, I never made that connection. I just thought it was props. Yep. Yep. I mean, we, we weren't around in 1425. Nope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I guess we get a pass. And yeah, the prop master... Soup's important. Yes. <laughs> they know so much about that show. Like yep. Every little finite detail. Also, don't piss them off. True. And put the stuff back where you're supposed to put it. Dang it. Yes. Things have a place on the table for a reason. Props masters, we give you our props. A. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> if you thought that was bad, wait till we try and figure out our puns for going into Act 2. Oh. Well, I can just go safe. Let's puppeteer our way into Act 2. Something, something. Let's Puppet run. sex in Act 2. <laughs> run from our fear of commitment okay. to Act 2. <laughs> alright, alright. Anyway, I'll pick one. Oh, uh, you, you edit it down to just one of them? Usually. Oh, that's so bad. I'm sorry. You never listen to my show. I, do. I work very hard. <laughs> Come on, Matt. I don't know. Something about listening to my own voice is like... I get that. You get used to it. Oh, I, I, I like wait a little bit so I like forget what we joked about and then I listen to it and then it's like, oh my god, we're so funny. That's true. So, yeah, sometimes I'm like, ha, we're hilarious. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, and then you listen and you're fired. Uh, I'm a comedic genius. <laughs> Perhaps to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amber finds out that she's fired two weeks later, you know. That's true. That hurt. That was, that was, <laughs> was pretty funny. funny. That hurt a little bit. <laughs> You got rehired, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, we were hired. By the end of the show. Yeah. And it still hurt. <laughs> Just like Princeton is hurt at the beginning of Act 2. Well, suck it, Princeton. He's all sad and alone. That's his fault. 
<laughs> he did it to himself. He's been holed up in his apartment for weeks. Not only did he mess up his relationship, but he also got fired from his job, and he's behind on rent. Wow. We're really just knocking him out of the park. The bad idea bears even bring him a noose to use. <gasps> Who are these characters? <laughs> they are the shit disturbers. They are stirring the pot for their own entertainment. What assholes. Yeah. That, that's all they do in the show, right? Yeah. It's just, just cause havoc. Yep. Nice. <laughs> so, Princeton's neighbors show up and they, you know, they're there to get him outside. And they're like, you know, you should come out and breathe some fresh air and, you know, get out of your apartment for a little while. This, this is a song, There's Life Outside Your Apartment. Is there? <laughs> no, not in 2020. So they're walking down the street and, like, you know, they step in some bird shit. That's gross. But then they, like, stop a woman from uh, jumping off a building. So that's cool. But then they run into Lucy the Slut, who seduces Princeton and he takes her back to his apartment. Yep. Yes. Yep. Because that's a great character move, Princeton. Weak. Hey, she's just living up to her name, though. That's true. A title's important. Self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy. She supports it. But of course, this angers Kate, who still kind of likes him. <laughs> Why, girl? <laughs> Listen, I don't, I don't know. So she's talking to, you know, talking with her girlfriends, talking to Christmas Eve, and Christmas Eve explains to her that she wouldn't be that angry about it if she wasn't in love with him. And so this is the song, The More You Rub Someone. And it's, I mean, okay, sure. Mm. No. Interesting song. <laughs> Not sure how much I agree with it, but it's fine. Uh, and so this kind of convinces Kate. So she writes a note to Princeton, asking him to meet up with her at the Empire State Building. But of course she goes to drop it off, and Lucy finds it and destroys it. <gasps> Lucy, oh, no. <laughs> That's slut. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nikki, who is still homeless. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Poor guy. Complains to Gary, who just laughs at his misfortune. And then Gary tells him about the German concept of Schadenfreude, which is happiness at the misfortune of others. And so they sing the song <laughs> Schadenfreude, <laughs> which is great. It's German. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course it's German. Yeah. And so they just like <laughs> laugh at a bunch of people, you know, doing stuff wrong. It's great. It's great. So then Kate goes to the Empire State Building. But of course, Princeton never shows up. So she assumes that she's been stood up by him. She's very sad about it. Angrily, she throws his lucky penny off the side. And if you know anything about the <laughs> Empire State Building, one, you're not supposed to throw stuff over the side. Two, if you do, it becomes a bullet by the time it hits the ground. <laughs> Terminal yes. velocity is one hell of a thing. Physics. And so... A hundred stories below, Lucy is knocked unconscious by the penny. She's lucky she's not dead. <laughs> and so Kate and Princeton unsuccessfully try to work out their problems over her comatose body. As couples do. As you do. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. Did they at least retrieve the lucky penny from her dented skull? <laughs> Probably just it's probably there. still lodged it in there. It fired off like a bullet in the other direction. <laughs> it's probably stuck in there. Some bird is dead. Ah, <laughs> uh, great people. They're puppets. That's true. Rod, too proud to accept Nikki's apologies, even though he misses him, goes to talk to Christmas Eve. Princeton, Kate, and Nikki dream of returning to happier times, like college. Back when they had a meal plan for food at all times, an academic advisor to tell them what to do, 
and the freedom to do what they wanted without major consequences. And the song is, I wish I could go back to college. Princeton gives panhandling Nikki a quarter and then marvels at how fantastic it feels to give back to the less fortunate. This leads him to decide to raise money for Kate's Monster Story School. He solicits the whole cast and even breaks the fourth wall to shake down the audience in the song, The Money Song. <laughs> yep. Money is collected during The Money Song from the audience and is donated to Broadway Cares slash Equity Fights AIDS. That's cool. Yeah. It's pretty darn cool. So if you go to see Avenue Q Alive, bring change. It's a, it's a joke. And it helps. And it helps. But unfortunately, overall, the results are disappointing. They raise like, maybe like a 20 bucks. I mean, they're like, what are we going to do with this? Yeah. Can't start a school. It's <laughs> like a couple quarters. <laughs> so they go to Trekkie Monster, the last person that they, you know, they haven't talked to him yet. And so he's, he's just wowed by this idea of a monster school because he would have liked to have that opportunity when he was a kid. Then he basically announces that he's rich because he has invested all of his money in the most stable enterprise ever, which is porn. And so he donates $10 million. <laughs> well, Yay. porn will always be around. <laughs> and so this song is School for Monsters slash The Money Song Reprise. And so, yay, happy, happy. Kate gets to open her new yay. school. Brian ends up landing a consulting job. And Christmas Eve finally gets a client. It's just Rod, but it's Ooh. a client. <laughs> it's a client. Christmas Eve and Brian, uh, now that they, you know, have... Nice jobs. They move to a better neighborhood. Rod finally comes out as gay, which surprises no one. No and one. he takes Nikki back as his roommate. Nikki even finds Rod a boyfriend, a muscly hunk named Ricky, who otherwise looks and sounds just like Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yep, but it works. It's fine. The bad idea bears continue their pattern of bad ideas and discover Scientology. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lucy, finally recovered from her head injury, becomes a born-again <laughs> Christian and takes a vow of chastity. <laughs> wow. Nice. Kate and Princeton decide to give their relationship another go. And this is a song, There's a Fine, Fine Line reprise. And so finally, here at the end, the show comes full circle. A new college graduate comes onto the stage asking about the vacancy in the building. So this is What Do You Do With a BA in English reprise. And then all of a sudden, Princeton has this epiphany. His purpose is to put everything he's learned into a Broadway musical. <gasps> da da da! Except everyone, even the new guy, ridicules him for this. <laughs> yep. Cast reminds Oops. Princeton that in the real world, some people never find their purpose, and that's totally okay. Life goes on, and everything, both good and bad, is only for now in the song For Now. And that's the dun, end. Dun, dun. Woo! Yeah, so that's. That's the show. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. Feels very uh, low stakes compared to a lot of yes. musical stories. Yes. Like, obviously, it's like characters and you're invested in them, but it's not like the end of the world. Except for the random coma. Yeah, no, that's fine. Listen, she's going to walk it off. She'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's definitely not a lot of real drama here, but. It's it's supposed to be designed that yeah. way, like yeah. with the whole dumb humor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, what does everyone think about it as a whole? Good. Yeah. Good. Solid. Good songs. They're good car jams. Yeah, yeah. got good songs. Very easy to follow storyline. Yes. You don't necessarily get it all from the songs, 
but the songs are fun regardless. And like we pointed out, those like additional songs that are also there that you can find online, those are just cool. This is one that I never fail to listen to. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, besides like having a decent number of characters in the show, going back to what Katie said, yeah, it, it, it's pretty easy to follow. There's not too many big yeah. twists and turns. It's pretty right. as you expect how the stories would go. Mm-hmm. And of course it gets a nice little bow at the end. Wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everyone figures themselves out, which, you know, yeah, pretty musical. Imagine if you're just the type of person, because, you know, there's, there's people out there that wait for, like, the Academy Awards to come out, and they see what movies get those, and it's like, okay, I'm going to watch all the ones that got awards, just to see what the hype is about. So uh. when this got <laughs> Tony Awards, do you think people went and saw it, and they're like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? Yes. I guarantee it. Probably some poor little old lady had a heart attack. Oh, my. I'm honestly surprised that it's, like, only gotten good feedback. Like, I expected to get, like, I expected to read that this one was, like, on the fence with critics. Nope. People just love it. And it it came out a decent amount of time ago. Like. Mm. Yeah. Early 2000s. Early 2000s. 2000s. Because, like, if, if something like this came out around a similar time with, like, Book of Mormon, I'd be like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, that fits, yeah. because I feel, at least with our kind of day and age, that the typical humor of Broadway mm-hmm. has changed. Yeah. Like, it used to be, like, either, like, dramas or comedies with, like, just kind of, like, okay, like, Rom-com. safe safe humor, and now they're starting to step into the more vulgar, real stuff, and people are actually responding pretty well to it, so I think that's mm-hmm. why we're seeing more and more of it. But yeah, for it to come out early 2000s and get this kind of review stuff, like, that's that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just just different enough to make it work, you know? Yeah. Like, it was so bizarre. They probably left the theater and was like, yo, you have to go see the show. I can't describe it to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, basically. And I feel like, yeah, if you're going that approach, you have to have solid music yes. in order to back it up. Because if I feel like if your shows aren't catchy... It's just not gonna. It's just not gonna hit the same same kind of notes. Kylie, what'd you think? I liked it. I thought the songs were catchy. I don't know if I'd watch it. Yeah, I don't know if I could. Mm, the whole sex scene. Mm. Puppet sex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, pretty much every position you can imagine. I mean, it's easy with puppets. These puppets. They yep. do it. And they're moaning and groaning, and I just... Yep. How do you keep a straight face and act that on stage? I don't... I I don't know. <laughs> That's why they get paid the big bucks. That's fair. <laughs> big bucks <clears throat> or just bucks? <laughs> yeah. You get paid Broadway bucks. I imagine rehearsals were absolutely Awkward. hilarious. <laughs> yes. You gotta get real comfortable hilarious. with each other real fast. Oh, Yeah. With your puppets. I wonder I wonder how hard it is for, like, smaller productions to do it. Right. Because with the whole puppets and everything being, like, super expensive. They just go to the local toy store. See, and that's the thing, like, and that's why, like, I really don't remember seeing it around, like, around here yeah. often at all. And I think it's just not done by smaller theaters, probably for that reason. Probably. Like, we talked about how, like, it's had some Broadway runs and it's had some off-Broadway 
runs, but like uh, that's that's it. Like, well, and also just not even getting the puppets themselves. Like, you need good people to do the puppeteering. Yeah, no, it's it, yeah. not. It may easy. seem straightforward, but it's it's a skill so hard, especially when you've got those. So, like, just watching the clips of it, I've seen because you've got you know one person with like other hand on like the mouth in one hand and someone else has the other hand so like you have to move in tandem and like right then you also have to move around the stage which is hard in itself mm-hmm. yeah you do have to learn it like a skill like you yeah there are like colleges for that colleges classes and stuff like that like katie and i watched a video of this guy showing two people how to do mime work and there's like so much more to it than I initially thought. So I imagine it's just like that for for doing the puppeteering stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't even think about that little detail. But yeah, it's it's a very interesting show, and I can definitely see like why it caught on because it is very catchy. It's very much like Adult Sesame Street. Oh for yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if it was like like it got big responses because of nostalgia. Because like the people that grew up with Sesame Street, like OG Sesame Street. We're probably at, like, a viewing age for it at that point. It's like, oh, what are they doing in my adult years? <laughs> Where are they now? <laughs> Where are they now? The hard-hitting story. <laughs> but, yeah, this is a good show. We do recommend listening to it. Make your own judgments about it, of course. We kind of sort of grew up with this one, so we're, like, maybe a little biased. But... Yeah. I, I didn't. I liked it. I don't even it's remember how I got introduced to this one. I just know that I've just, like, always loved it. <laughs> It's so funny. Yes. I love yes. it. It's so good. So definitely go listen to it and let us know what you think. If you've ever seen it live, let us know how that was. Let us know how awkward it possibly was. I think that will wrap up this episode. So thanks as always for joining us on this episode of Save Me an Isle Seat. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please feel free to subscribe and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us out. And if you want to tell your friends and family and anybody else, any puppets that you might uh, have relations with about this show, because word of mouth is the best way to help us, that would be super great. If you want to reach out and tell us about your experiences with the show, or just to say hello, you can reach us at seat at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at seat on Twitter. I'm sure Amber would love to talk about the sophistications of puppetry sex with you. Tweet me! <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> If we're talking about puppets, should it be a word of felt? Oh, no. Stop. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> but, yeah, you can always reach out to us, and we uh, love the interaction. If you want to suggest a show as well, you can also uh, email us. We will put that in our roster and hopefully tackle that when we can. We would like to thank everyone for your support. We are at almost 900 downloads, which is super exciting. We're getting closer to that thousand download goal. Celebration! Celebration. Apparently, Katie has something cooked up for us, but I do. We don't get to know. It's a step wise. So I'm cooking up some stuff, working really hard. We have to eat ten steaks. Yeah. We have to eat ten steaks. That's we're doing a mukbang, (laughs) and we'll let you guys know how that goes. Get ready for the bonus video of us dying. Yeah, it should be exciting. And we're working hard to bring you more shows and shows that you already know and love. So if you want to check out more shows, please visit us at ragtagnetwork.com. 
We have shows like Total Tomfoolery, which Matt and I are both on as well, which is a D&D podcast. Woo! And then The Mama, who we always warn about shows when we start. She has her own podcast called Bag of Bones, and that's doing really, really well. She's about to put out another episode the same day this one goes out, which is exciting. And also starting to work on a couple new shows, so keep your eyes peeled for those and give those support when they come out. That'd be super cool of you. My brain never stops working. It's great. <coughs> Any and all support is appreciated. Our Ko-Fi is still open, which is at www.ko-fi.com slash network. Any financial help that you give us helps to go support all the podcasts on our network. So it's really appreciated. But I think that will wrap up this episode. We'll go ahead and talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Aisle Seat. We do this show for fun, but if you'd like to support us, you can check out our Ko-Fi at www.ko-fi.com slash ragtag network. For more episodes and shows like this, go to our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. This show is brought to you by the Ragtag Network.